This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 424, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. It was the time of the preacher When the story began Of the choice of a lady Love of a man. I loved her so dearly. Good evening. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 424. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me this fine morning are Josh Flanagan and Paul Montgomery. Good evening. Bet you're wondering why we gathered you all here today. (laughs) (laughs) We are a fanboy. We like comics. Everyone can read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best book they read. We call that the pick of the week. And we talk about that on the show, along with other books of the week, other topics of interest, all kinds of fun stuff, all kinds of goofy nonsense. Sometimes it's early in the morning when we record and our voices are low. (laughs) I like morning haze, Connor. It's fun. Uh, Before we get to the show, quick reminder and a warning. It's a spoiler-filled show. So if you haven't read the books, come back. Pause the show, come back, well, take a walk. I'd say walk around the block a few times, come back, and you'll enjoy everything much more if you do. In the meantime, Paul, you had to pick. I did, and I figured it was, you know, probably a good time to celebrate Daredevil, given that this is the last issue ever. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the last issue of this this run, this volume of Daredevil. It's issue number 36. So weird, they just end it like they that. They just oh, ended, well. yeah. And, uh, but it's a, it's a great... Uh, and it's, it's a lot of pathos in here. There's a lot of it's a great call to adventure. Um, but this it's an end of a chapter, and it's not just the end of the the Mark Wade Chris Samney chapter. It's the end of the chap you know a chapter of of Matt Murdock's life where he's in New York. He's not going to be in Hell's Kitchen anymore. Um, well, so for a while, for a while at least. But he's gonna he's moving making a big move over to San Francisco. A lot of I think a lot of Marvel characters are making the move. To uh, to sunny California, noticing that you know New York's kind of covered, you know, like we got some people, it's also we got a some lot bodies less here. Snow yeah, and ice and and snow and ice and snow and I ice. Heard, I heard a weird thing yesterday. California wants to branch off into like five different six six. six? It's not Cal. Oh, whoa, 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 it's not California. California doesn't want to. It's a some lunatic dude. in right. Silicon Valley that wants to do that. Let's not yeah. uh, go crazy here. I was like, that's weird. I don't um, want my money to anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I, just, I just decided that I would not say that. Well, this is also an exciting issue because I don't think I've ever read a comic book before where a superhero has revealed their secret identity. No, have there have been many. Civil there War. Been, right? Civil War. With Spider- yeah, there's there's been several, but I thought this was handled particularly well. Well, it, it, it's a it's a particularly um, direct way. I mean, he does it on the stand in the middle of this court case. And then he, you know, jumps into action. Yeah, as, as Daredevil in the middle of the courtroom. That was pretty cool to see to see Matt Murdock like doing the Superman thing, opening up his shirt, and there's the Daredevil symbol on his chest. You don't, I mean, you see that you usually see him running down into an alleyway or up right. on a rooftop in the shadows or something, but to do it so publicly. That was a particularly wonderful sequence that I I enjoyed. Yes, um, in this issue where he opens the shirt and uh, the bailiff's coming at him with a gun, and he sort of smacks it away with his billy club. Um, not, I want to say haphazardly, but sort of, you know, he's under, he's got other things to worry about. So it's, it's a great two panel sequence. I thought this was a great issue. This was, this really was a, I mean, it's one of those books that we talk about where it's consistently great, you know, month in, month out. But this one just, it felt very special. I thought Chris Somney was on the top of his game. I really liked that, that page 
where it spells out I am Daredevil in panels and you get to see all of the other superheroes mostly in New York reacting to that like they're they're you know they've been watching the the case on television and I guess somebody like must have tweeted out hey Matt's saying some weird shit (laughs) you know (laughs) everyone seemed to be watching it everybody turn it on and but they had the internal whatsapp superhero group going (laughs) like hey they they have a Facebook group yeah, yeah. Um, on Google Plus. I think this this is one of the most fully formed comic series out there. Mm-hmm. In that these two guys, uh, not just two guys, the whole team, the colors are great. The, the lettering is great. Um, is it Javier Rodriguez on the Javier colors? Rodriguez on really colors. Good. And I will scroll to the front eventually and tell you the letter. It's uh, it's uh, Kojo Caramagna and uh, and uh, they're just a fully formed comic. They mm-hmm. have, you know, there's there's no doubt here. They know what they're doing. Um, you have a full, you know, fully realized universe. You've got great characters that they fully understand. Uh, it, it has a distinct look about it. I mean, this is a Daredevil comic, and you know what it, you know what it is when you, when some, you look at just it. Just some truly special layouts in this issue, and I mean, there always are, but like this issue, each page is laid out entirely differently from the last one. So there's a great sense of rhythm. You know, like when you're when they talk about looking at a at a script page, you know, there should be a you know the diff the ratio of of black to white print to just you know white space on a script page should always look a little bit different from page to page. Have a have a bit of variety, and with this, it would be very similar. Um, you have these really big panels where where Matt's really big in the in the frame, especially that sequence you were talking about earlier where he's running through the through the courtroom. Um, just big dynamic shots, and then also the the crazy I am Daredevil page, the the wonderful page that sort of like tells his origin story through the Daredevil Yellow era, right. um, which, which plays with circles and stuff. It's 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 really nicely laid out and and very impressive to look at. Um, and and yeah, I do love the colors as well. The, those warm yellows in the courtroom. Um, and I got to talk about that sequence where he he tells Foggy what he's going to do. Um, last issue was when the big cliffhangers revealing I am Daredevil. Then we rewind a little bit in the beginning of this issue to say, well, wh- you know, what's what's Foggy going to think about this? And Foggy's been going through his cancer treatment. Uh, he's bald at this point, And he's saying, you know, what does my life mean if I'm going to get in the way? My considerations, if my considerations get in the way of Matt Murdock's integrity, um, you should be able to tell the truth even if this is going to hurt us, because in the end, they're disbarred in New York. And there's a nice loophole that Matt has worked uh, as a lawyer in San Francisco previously. So he can, he can, you know, open up shop there and he's going to take Foggy with him and uh, Kirsten McDuffie, uh, the, the love interest. Um, And they have, they have, you know, that wonderful moment at the end, which is, it's a very swashbucklery, you know, daredevil moment where they embrace and they're kind of dangling off the, off the roof to go to go swinging around the the skyline. Well, it looks it calls back to the very first issue. Yes, that, uh, that kiss in the first one. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the and the and I and Daredevil. Yeah, it, yeah. it does. Taken as a, a volume, it feels like it should be more than thirty six issues. But taken as a volume, this has been one of the better complete comic stories out there. I mean, it's not over. I mean, this this issue does put a cap on the Sons of Serpent storyline that's been running for a while. So you get the resolution of that, and I'm sure that. With the move to the West Coast and the all-new Daredevil book, that will be a new storyline. But, um, it, you know, this is a great, great run of, of, of a book. It's not over, but this particular volume is, and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's got that nice ratio of Matt's life to Daredevil's adventures, um, <laughs> which I think Matt can sometimes get, at least as his love life, that can sort of get 
you know, embroiled in the whole Daredevil thing where there's a there's an interesting divide between the two. You get a little bit of of both of those tones. Yeah, right. and, and in previous books, and I don't think this is actually now that you bring it up, I don't think it really happens in this as much, but it was always that oh, everything sucks so much as Matt. I'll go be Daredevil for a little while. Right. And that was the other side of that coin. And yeah. this feels more like the two are connected, I suppose. Like, yes. like they're, they're the same person. Whereas, whereas before, literally, I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, like Daredevil was really sort of an escape kind of thing. It was a blow-off valve for, for whatever havoc had been wreaked in, in Matt's life. And, yeah. and that's less so here, I think, which is kind of cool. There's also the havoc is lessened. It's not there's not a constant cycle of death and drug abuse and murder and all kinds of things going on. It's I mean what's happening to Foggy's terrible, but it's also he's he's having things are going relatively well the rest of his life, which is nice. Yeah, I mean it's it's heavy stuff at times, but like what does he say when he's leaving the house? He's like you know like don't die or something. And he's, and he's saying right. it sort of jokingly, and it's like I will I like I will, that I will stick around it. Wade has a, a really great way of depicting adult friendships where it can be very sweet, but it's not saccharine. Um, it's it's very realistic. It very much feels like, and without being, and also without being like, you know, with a, it being bros too. You know, like it's it, it's a it's a nice fine line that he walks, and uh, and, I, and I and I really appreciate that. Um. It's a, it's a very mature way of looking at a friendship and you know, yeah. he's not, he's not, you know, going in the corner and crying and, and everything. He's, he's That's trying to face it with a little bit of humor. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's like, uh, you know, Hawkeye and Trapper or something in MASH, you know? I just, I just want to know if Brent Schoonover is going to get his comeuppance in court. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do enjoy the cameos. Yeah. It's fun. I, this is a, this is a great book and that, you know, it, it couldn't be picked enough. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It couldn't be picked enough. I'm glad. I'm glad the team's continuing. So that's that's the most important thing. And this is looks like it's Daredevil's 50th anniversary, which is nice. We're mm-hmm. old. For everyone doesn't want to feel old. <laughs> uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing X-Men number four. Uh, I keep forgetting this book. I I feel like this book takes. Is it a monthly book? Are we falling into that trap? It's probably. That that's, that's that's what's happening um, again. Yeah. Anyway, it's I. It's great. I really, I really love this book. I love the tone of it. I love that it's a little, I don't want to say sappy, but it is a little sappy, which is fine because it works for the story. Um, I loved it. I love Nightcrawler. I think he's a great, he's a great catalyst in the team and that he has, he's got these really personal relationships with all the different members in different ways. I think I and, forgot to read this. I think I just like got no. I think I like I lost it in all of the other X Men books that I read or don't read. Yeah, because it's it's sort of disconnected from it's it's not part of the trial of Jean Grey stuff. It's yeah. not the only X Men, but um, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna use the, the word again. It's 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 swashbuckling. I mean, it's yep. it's Nightcrawler in a like literally pirate hat. It's literally swashbuckling, and it's also I feel a great feel good book. Mm-hmm. Um, it just if 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 you have any kind of nostalgia for the X-Men. Um, I think, I mean, and there's a lot of it here because you get the, you know, you get the Nightcrawler thing, the relationship between Nightcrawler and Wolverine. You also get, you know, the whole thing with, with Iceman and Firestar. Firestar yeah. And that's, uh, it looks like they're going to be doing an, is Aaron's doing, um, a Spider-Man and his amazing friends. 
So the know. book, which I, th- I believe they announced that. Um, you would know better than we would. No, I mean, and it's it's not a thing that I know and I'm not supposed to say. It's, no, I, what I'm I saying is unless, it. it's, unless it's in the book on Wednesday, I don't know anymore. So <laughs> Yeah, I think it just, uh, I just Which is awesome. Twitter, but, yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, that's um, – but, um, but to me, I, I love the flashback back. Back to um, you know the old classic time when Beast was first blue and he was an Avenger. And like there was a just very brief scene of Beast and Nightcrawler playing crazy – uh, obstacle chess in the danger room and it just it's a great you're right it's a great nostalgia here without it being a nostalgia book yeah simply because nightcrawler is a character that ex- has existed through all that time has all these unique relationships but also has been gone for so long so there's there he's returning and there's that feeling of nostalgia because everyone looks at him to see something different and i love the origin of the bamps oh yeah the bamps are sort of the groots of this book and <laughs> There are these, these cuddly little things that Nightcrawler describes as his little brothers, but they're actually – they're part shapeshifter. And you see their original form and they're like these like, like larvae like from, maggots, yeah. from the river Styx basically. And um, I, that's, that's one of the things I love about Jason Aaron that he can, he can strike that tone where this is a book about hugs, but then it's also – this is about – this is about the X-Men going to hell to – or and, and going to heaven and hell to – Rescue it, their friend and put that in the cover. This is a book about hugs. Paul Montgomery. I no, that's a, that, actually that's, that's I think that's a, Twitter, yeah. yeah, that's I, a Jason Aaron line. Is that um, he said I'm I, I'm grateful that there's been a great response to uh, to this issue in particular because it's it's all about hugs and um, it's also all about the book ending with all the X Men dressed like pirates on a pirate ship um, going to battle other pirates, other uh, demon pirates. So. Yeah, they're all in like a, in a team formation, and Beast is wearing you know a bandana on his head, and and uh, Storm's got got her bandana on with, and it's Storm with the mohawk too. So it it you know it it definitely harkens back to a certain you know era in the X Men, and it's it's definitely a call to adventure where Nightcrawler's like looking directly at us and say, "Let's go be amazing." Yeah, um, and that's fun every once in a while. That's I'd like more and of it, that. It looks fantastic. It really does. I want Adam McGinnis to draw this book as long as he's able to. Which some is probably, good McGinnis. Probably the first arc, but uh, but it's still uh, great. I I really like this book. Mm-hmm. In six months, you'll be like, "Why was I reading this again?" <laughs> no, because Jason Aaron will be writing it. I yeah, I, I, that's true. Now, what the fuck is the unwritten apocalypse? That's a good question. I saw that this week, and I thought, "Oh yeah." Oh yeah, the unwritten. Did they, re- did they reboot it? Yeah, yeah. This is number two. I mean, you're going to see a theme with me right now. I'm a distracted human, and and I lost track of the unwritten. I guess during the Fables crossover. So whatever they're, I don't know if they were trying to get more people to read it who'd read Fables or what. But for some reason, I hadn't read the end of that. Um, and maybe like I just it. thought, maybe I just looked at. It, I thought it was a Fables book. So I didn't get it. Also didn't like it. That's true. But it was like a really big deal. It feels, it feels like it was a really big deal for both worlds. Like it was, it was if, if nothing else, it wasn't a crossover that didn't matter. But it was a crossover that put the one story very involved in the, in the other story. And they both, they both uh, took blows from it. Um, so then, that ended. And I went back and I reread the end of that. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then, uh, then they took three months off. And they came out with this unwritten apocalypse, um, the first issue of which I had missed, but I, I caught up and I read them all. Um, and this is the world of Tom Taylor. Uh, is, he's, it, it's over. The world has ended. I mean, it's like, it's like a superhero book. Hmm. Uh, they come back to the world. It is, uh, 
it's all you know been destroyed and they're they're being hunted and they're still trying to figure out what powers he has and what he can do and what he can't um and i it really feels like it's one of those things like i've been reading this book for years now and i don't know what the hell it is anymore it's strange for a vertigo book to do that because well quite yes. usually they are finite stories I know and that's kind of what I was in for. Right. You know what I mean? That that's the that's what I signed up for. So I, you know, I can't blame them for trying different stuff. It's probably not like they have huge sales or anything. Um I one of the other things that's happening in it is that the the literary references are starting to, not starting to. They have gone way beyond me. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm a relatively well-read guy, but I'm not you know, British English literature well-read. Right. You're and not Oxford, well, well, there's a lot going. Maybe Alan Moore could understand this if he read it. Um, but I've I've definitely started to lose the thread, and I and I don't. <laughs> excuse me. Um, it, it's a little it's a little homeworky. Um, and and I, I've I, I don't know. It's just I'm a I'm a little I'm a little disappointed that yeah I'm off the train. I'm a little disappointed that this thing that I really liked and was kind of like I always I liked that there was. You know, some stuff you understand and some stuff you don't, but it's okay because you still get it. And I, I've really lost a thread with it, um, which is, I, you know, same team. Say everything's the same, but, you know, I, I don't find the know. rebranding fascinating. Not the rebranding, but the rebooting. So, yeah, it's, it was a yeah. very. <sighs> when I first saw it listed on the, sh- on the shipping list, I thought it was a like miniseries yeah. or something, but. No. It's yeah, weird. It, that's what threw me off because, again, like I don't, I don't even pay attention to anything. I just go, I just get the books. And and if they're different, then I guess I don't notice them. But um, I, I don't know. It feels like a it feels like a misstep because it's not like they're gonna bring somebody in new at this point, right? Well, you know? first off, good zoom tight because you sneezed early. Thank you. Um, and I apologize. I didn't say it sooner. Um, but I hope that this continues on, even though I'm not reading. Although it feels like something that I might like. It has. Oh, I think things. you definitely might. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I started in the beginning and I just sort of lost track with it. Um. After like the first trade or something, but um, I hope that it continues forever because I, I I love the covers all the time. Like mm-hmm. the Yuko Shimizu covers are just spectacular. Um, well, why don't like you marry the them? I kind of want to marry them. Yeah, I, I want to. I hope they. I hope they do a collection of them. It makes me want to. I'm sure they will. It makes me want to go back and just read um, Lucifer again, so I can have Mike Carey and Peter Gross and Ryan Kelly actually doing a complete story that I can follow and i know is fantastic i think i just wanted that and, and it it turned into another thing and that's totally their right and it's fine but i i definitely definitely lost a step with me um and it makes me feel stupid too because i don't know what the hell they're talking about and i also, feel like i should be able to also <laughs> even though it's like a new number well this number two issue but even though there was a new number one issue if i were a new reader i would be intimidated by that because i'd i'd have knowledge that there was unwritten before and <laughs> adding apocalypse to it doesn't make it sound no, it doesn't. <laughs> I can't. I can't help but think. And this is utter speculation, but I can't help but think in a world of that Dandy Dio is control of that there wasn't a, like relaunch it. <laughs> well, we would relaunch it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they just did it. I don't. I don't know. Um, it seems like a really strange move for this kind of book, but at the same time, this kind of book is not all that successful lately. So, what can you do? Well, I'm going to keep banging the drum, drum for Harley Quinn's Adventures in Brooklyn. This is issue three of Harley Quinn, uh, Palmiati Gray, and uh, Ch- uh, the artist's name is Chad Harden. Chad Harden. Um, it is really is. Seven, seven? It, we met him at Comic Con. Uh, it really is. 
a book out of time. And what I mean by that is Harley Quinn looks kind of like the New 52 version, but she's really the old Harley Quinn. So it doesn't really fit in, and it feels very much in that old vein. She keep, the way she talks about Mr. J all the time, it doesn't really fit in the world that they've built. Yeah, no. So it does feel like you're reading an old TC book. Um, but it's not leather, like... Leather and spikes. She doesn't really wear that. She wears, she, she wears her, old, her old... Well, she wears different versions of her costume. Which, well, there's a line in here about how, when she's getting dressed, about how she doesn't understand how Superman wears the same clothes every day. Um, but... Uh, it's fun, and it's not superhero action so much. I mean, there is a, a following story about how there's a, there's a price in her head, so she keeps running into bounty hunters, kind of like Lando or Han Solo. But um, mostly this is a – you know, she, it's, it's Valentine's Day. She's alone. She poison ivy leaves her a plant. Turns out it's a love potion plant. She eats a strawberry on it, and everyone who sees her falls in love with her, including a uh, bus full of – the murderer is going to Rikers Island and it crashes and so they all get, they all get out. Instead of trying to escape, they all chase after her because they've smelled her. Am I looking and at a beaver on a skateboard? Yeah, she's she's hallucinating. A, she's got a stuffed beaver that she hallucinates is alive and talks to her. Okay. And there's lots of beaver jokes, um, as you might imagine. <laughs> uh, so I did. So uh, it's just super fun and it's silly and it's a little sexy because that's what Palmer and Gray do. And... Um, if, if you miss the DCU, especially those characters, you know, the Harley Quinn character, this is very, very much the old character in this, in this new setting in Brooklyn. Um, it's just really, really fun, sweet book. Cause she's, she's lonely. It's Valentine's day. She misses her Mr. J. No one else loves her. She keeps trying to find a Valentine. No one, no one, no one's taking the bait. So. I always, I always like when I hear or see that the old DCU is sneaking in a little bit into the <laughs> new 52, like. This is a band of freedom fighters trying to keep it alive. It's very rare, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, things I, I know. Yeah, I feel like bad. all of the all of the people who were around for the first wave of super dark comics, like they were with it for a little while, and it just it's so tiring. So like you start to get these little glimpses of like whatever post dark comics is. I don't remember what Grant Morrison called that, but there was there was an era, you know, like we right. after the. Whatever the post eighty six class that sort of started up in the two thousands uh, that that the DC's trying to ignore, mm. um, like the, I, I feel like you can only do that super dark, serious superhero comic for so long, if, especially if you've been in the industry for a while, because it's just it's exhausting, unrelenting. Yeah, it is yeah. unrelenting. Like if you want of the Batman, if you want fun superhero comics, and I would definitely check out Harley Quinn, or as I call it, Harley Quinn's Adventures in Brooklyn. So, speaking of fun, lighthearted superhero comics, and this is probably more lighthearted than Harley Quinn. Um, there's no beavers on skateboards or bloodletting or anything like that. Um, the Shadow Hero, number one, by Gene Luen Yang and Sonny Liu. Um, Gene Luen Yang, um, you might know him uh, as the writer and artist behind American Born Chinese. Who was, that was, which was the book of the month. Yeah, as, as one, that's that's one of his bigger projects. And then last year he came out with a really cool project, which I'm which I'm excited to read, um, called um, Boxers and Saints, which is like a two part graphic novel where um, one part it's it's about the Boxer Rebellion, and one part is on one side of the conflict, and the other other part is the other Sold. side. So the, so the protagonist and antagonist forces swap between the two books, which I think is fascinating, and you can get it as like a box set. So I'm excited to check that out. But anyways, he's got this new project from First Second um, called The Shadow Hero, and it's going to be collected, I believe, in July in print. But 
they're coming out with I think it's six digital issues, and you can read it on all different formats. I think it's like an i you know iBooks and Kindle and Nook and all that stuff. Um, and I, I I read the first issue, which came out uh, on Tuesday of this week, and it's about it's a it's a reimagining a revival of the Green Turtle, who is a Golden Age superhero character that I'd never heard of. Um, he's touted as the first. Um, Asian or first Chinese American superhero. And he was created, uh, for Blazing Comics back in 1944 by, uh, I think he was a writer artist, Chu Hing. Um, and this Green Turtle character, they said we, you know, this, this publisher, I think called Rural Comics or Rural Home, I think it was called, um, said, we want you to do a superhero character. And he came up with this superhero and he really wanted it to be a Chinese American like himself. But they were a little bit, you know, gun shy about that. So his way of doing it was to depict the character where you'd never see his face, mm. even under a mask. And he has sort of a luchador kind of mask. Um, but he'd always, his arm was outstretched, like punching in front of his face or his back to the camera. And it's very clear that that's what the artist was trying to do. He was intentionally hiding the character's face so that in his mind, it could be a Chinese character or a Chinese American character. But um, for, for other audiences and for the publisher, it could be anybody. Um, so that's something that they had to deal with in 1944. Anyways, uh, fast forward to now, the shadow hero is a retelling of that story. And Sonny Liu's art is wonderful. Yes. Um, he did um, a Sense and Sensibility adaptation for Marvel not too long ago. Um, he's done some mostly some some just freelance things here and there for Marvel. He's a Malaysian artist. Reminds me a lot of Rob Guillory, um, just in the expressiveness of the characters, and not just because you have Asian characters, but like I think the style is very similar. And it's something that would be very much at home in like a like a children's picture book. It's not mainstream superhero comics, but the layouts and the way that. Uh, Jean Lun Yang um, writes it. It's really hearkening back to the golden age, where he's even he even has caption box explaining sort of what's happening on panel. Um, but it's it's really charming, and um, he doesn't the character doesn't even get to become the Green Turtle or the Shadow Hero. I, I'm not sure what he's going to call himself um, by the end of the issue. It just his his mom uh, discovers or he, she is saved by a superhero. Um, and I guess this takes place in the 1920s, 1930s, something like that, something yeah. in that area. But um, he uh, and he, they own a, a grocery store um, in the San Incendio, San Francisco area. It's it's in California where Jean Lun Yang grew up, and um, she is she his, the mother is is saved by a superhero, and she thinks that this is the most exciting thing ever. Um, she's so far been let down by her by her experiences in America. Well, it's a very much an American tale opening. Yeah, you know, she, yeah, which I love. I, I love any anything. Anytime I can think of Fievel. Um Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, they she's she's as kid. They're going to America because the the unrest in China, and she has these dreams of what America is like, and everyone smells great, and the women are all beautiful, and, and there's going to be this color, you know, and, and but then she gets there, and it's all drab, everything's gray. Yeah. And there are there are indeed cats, and there the streets are not paved with cheese when she gets there. Uh, it was uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, it was very much an opening chapter, it was very much an introduction to the characters. Right. Uh, which, but it was still really great character work. I liked the mom's character; she was interesting. Yeah, it was. A, I thought it was a really good look at. Um, <laughs> It's sort of such a different cultural take on things. 
Yeah, um, I mean, we like, even like we've even seen she was coming from. Yeah, we've even seen the immigrant experience, and I mean, that's huge for like the Superman, you know, mythos and everything. But this is a, a, an angle that I, I I don't think I've seen before, and I like he has this warm relationship with his dad, and you know he and he wants he to be wants to, he, he just, just wants, wants to yeah be a grocer just like him when he grows go up over the store, play mahjong, drink whiskey with his friends in the back, and then then have his son and hand the store off to his son, and yeah, his mom has grander plans for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which involves wearing a green costume and it's fighting crime, I assume. So it's going to be interesting. You know, it's funny that we've never seen that. Like, if you think about the idea that you know humanity are, is littered with with uh, men and women who have been forced into doing things directly or indirectly by their mother. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like like oh, she wanted me to be a lawyer. She wanted me to be this yeah. or that. They wanted me to be in the family business. I've never seen a story with a, the well. Actually, no. Uh, Watchmen had it, but um, oh yeah, sure, it's, it's not okay. a lot of stories about that where like the parents are forcing you into doing the thing and sort of the the requisite guilt that goes along with that. It's kind yeah. of interesting. I just thought that you know writing in art was I just thought it was super charming, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. And so that so you can either check this out in digital issues, something they're trying it for a second, um. And I guess it's each month leading up to July when it'll be out in print. So then you could read it as an OGN that way. So Good recommended stuff. stuff. And in July, Josh, where do they buy it? Uh, they could go to uh, ifanboy.com slash Amazon, I suppose. I think it would be a good yes. one. Uh, no, of course you'd want to do that. You would go there to buy any of the things that you would buy from Amazon. Um, like uh, I buy all sorts of stuff from Amazon. Some some stuff I don't even want to talk about that I buy from Amazon. <laughs> I bought some I bought some pedals from there. But, you know, and I also bought some uh mailing supplies. I mean, it's 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 quite all-encompassing. If you're like your, me, your life sounds so exciting. If you, well, the <laughs> pedals would be exciting if like I could get outside. Listen, it's not boring shit on Amazon like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um I have uh, I have some ink for the printer. It's going in there. Uh, wow, that's, that's got to be sent over. I just need black. I need to I sit down. Have, I can't take the. I still have a lot of cyan left, and it's off branding because <laughs> that real shit's expensive. I've Quote been science. looking. I've been looking for um, some kind of thing like those the things you put over your eyes when you're trying to sleep, but you need the light out. Sleep oh, mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleep mask. Yeah, I don't. I, but that, that's the thing. I haven't known what to type in. I was like that thing for your eyes. <laughs> I was like, my my dog has been snoring so much that I've been using earplugs lately. You can get those on Amazon. Jesus. Yeah. Maybe it's not just the dog, but I've said too much. <laughs> um, you could do that. Um, you know what you should. You know what you should do. You know what you should go buy. You should go buy the making of Star Wars books, all three of them. I yes. want those pretty bad. Those, yes, they're so good. I have the Indiana I, Jones one. Yeah, you should get all those. Hard. Those are out of, those you can't find anymore. The Indiana Jones ones. Yeah, I look. Yeah, I have that in, in paperback. I have a couple of those on my on my on my birthday list. Is, is what's happening. Um, anyway, so you could do that. Um, and it'll, it'll, if you just make, the, make that link, uh, your link to Amazon, uh, then, then you don't have to do anything and it helps us out a lot. Or suppose you have a large company uh, and they make a giant order of something through Amazon. Do it through there. Yes. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, no, one's gonna, no one has to know. Or you can go to ifamo.com slash registration. You can support us more directly uh, with cash donations. Uh, I'm putting it out there. It's blunt like that. Either three bucks a month or 30 bucks a year or whatever it is, a one-time, uh, one-time offering of your choosing. This week, I gave, I gave money to uh, This American Life because I really like what they do and I wanted to support it. And you um, wanted them to stop talking about it. No, you know what? They only do it once a, they only do it once a year now. Or that's their goal if they can get enough. But 
they put it a certain you know you, you give them some bucks then then they'll have enough and if everybody did that then everybody would be good and you can get great content for free um, and that's kind of how this works too so if this is important and you can help out uh, even a little or regularly that's that's awesome thanks very much I'd also say give half of what you might be giving us this month give that to uh, the Bill Mantlo thing yeah that too I gave uh, them money too we're all very excited well I'm very excited about the Guardians of the Galaxy thing we'll see what you guys think later on in the show but um, you know Give some support to the to the guy who made Rocket Raccoon a po- uh, you know a possibility. So yeah. So Agreed. when yeah. when DC first started doing the weekly digital books, I wasn't really very excited, and people were surprised I wasn't excited. But I knew I knew that I would eventually fall behind because yeah. when you're putting out six or seven books, you know, every week in chapters. See, I'm a trades guy at heart, so I'd rather have the, all of them together at once. Exactly. I'd, I'd rather have more material. Less often than less material, more often. So I knew for sure I'd fall behind, which I did on all of them. Uh, so, but this week, Paul said we should really talk about Adventures of Superman number forty-three, and so I looked it up, and and uh, I had indeed fallen behind, and by a lot. And I noticed this issue written by Ron Mars, drawn by Evan Doc Shaner, and uh, it was awesome. I, in fact, I was uh, hanging out with Mike Romo, uh, I found boy a writer and sometimes host of the show, and showed him. I said, hey, check out this art. And he did one of those Mike Romo head bobs. Whoa, mm-hmm. whoa! Mm-hmm. Um, it's Mark it's Wade on Twitter said we should get Doc Shaner to draw every Superman story from now on, which I'm sure must have felt wonderful <laughs> for for I Doc. Bet. So uh, Mark Wade he should. So yeah, um, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I've been a fan for a fan of Doc Shaner for a long time. He he drew my my Twitter avatar, which I've had for ages of Captain Haddock. That's a commission. He's regularly I got from him. show up on our uh, SketchUp feature on the website. Like he's he's a great up and coming. Yeah, artist. I've I've always you know I've always loaded, but like in terms of, and he had, and he had you know some some pretty good stuff last year. He did a he did a go, some Ghostbusters stuff, but 2014 is a big year for him with this. And then he's also going to be doing the Flash Gordon book with with Jeff Parker. But so I've seen a lot of his stuff and I've been a fan, but this thing was just phenomenal um i thought it was i thought it was great superman art um yeah. i i think it just it, it you know um and the coloring was wonderful too um he 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 captures that great noble jawline of clark kent and he has a huge love for all of the the superman extended cast as well and he got to do that cover you know and you've got you got bibbo on there and you've you know you've got jimmy and lois and, and the whole extended cast and Steve Lombard, one of my favorite characters in all of fiction. Well, let's uh, not shortchange uh, Ron Mars either, who wrote a yeah. great. Uh, this, this is just part one. I assume you know these are usually multi-part stories. This is part three-part story, and it's basically uh, Superman and the Iron Giant. <laughs> but uh, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, that's and, it's sort of the thing. It's like if you know if this had debuted as one whole story, it it might have been more of a stronger contender for pick of the week. But just because it was you know like a a shorter thing. Um, if right. you admit, let's, let's wait until, you know, the print edition comes out, maybe, you know, give it a shot then. But I definitely wanted to talk about it because this is, you know, we, we've been saying like, you know, we miss that classic Superman, but more and yeah. more, they're putting out a lot of good Superman stories lately. Well, did you uh, notice in this, wait, before we get to the next one, did yeah. you notice yeah. this issue that he, he rescues Joe Kubert? That was, that was yeah. exactly what I was about yeah. to say. <laughs> I did. I did notice that he rescued Joe Kubert. I forgot about that, but yeah, I was like, that's, that's and definitely I, intentional. But. I also, th- there's a. There's the shot of those two people, the the two guys who were given up for adoption. There's a picture of two dudes in beards, and I wonder yes. who they are. There's somebody. Yeah, I was like, yeah. you know, it was a Walt Simonson and someone else. 
<laughs> Who is that? But um, uh, but that was definitely Joe Kubert. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. If you are missing, you know, the, sort of the classic DCU version of these characters, these are they're found in these these books. I was going through after reading this and realizing I've been missing some good stuff that I went I went through and sort of scanned, and there was a two part Superman story guest starring the Joker, drawn by Jock, written by Max Landis, and that was really fun. Um, they have some interesting. We've been saying this for a while. They're, they're putting really interesting people on these these digital books, especially Adventures of Superman and uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. Yeah, but uh, there's not a lot of fanfare with them. But they're there. Kind of hard to find on the DC app. Yeah, they don't like show up. Like they don't show up in the list of the way that I look for things is to look for what comes out in a given week. Yeah, they're not right. in that list. Yeah, because they come out on Monday. Yeah, they come out. No, they come out every day of the week. There's a different each day. Each book has its own release day. Yeah, uh, which is annoying. Oh yeah, I uh, mean, but like these Adventures of Superman stories, I think they come oh, out on Mondays, right? I think or Tuesday, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. They're in their own section. They're, there's their own section in the app, but uh, I think it's really just that we have this routine, and like every week we read comics a certain way, and so when something like this comes along, it's not like we're against it. It's just it's it, out I've of the got ordinary. Twenty plus years of established, right? You know. Not well. I, it's changed, but it's still very similar. This is the people day. used to ask why they wouldn't be on the comics page. It's because they were out every week, and people were trained to check the comics page on one day of the week. And then, you know, if a book comes out on Friday, it's not going to really. No one's going to notice it on the comics page. It just doesn't. It's good. I think it's always good to try it's, new models oh, yeah. and distribution systems. It's just you know, it's it our failing. <laughs> it doesn't fit into the established robotic way we do these things um, that we're programmed to to do them. So. And especially when there's so much coming out. Every but week. I went through yeah. and I read I, – I read – this inspired me to go back and read. I read a, a really, really fun three-part Riddler story, the most recent one. That was um, – I forgot who the writer on that one, but it was good. Uh, then I read the Batman 66 and I read the Smallville. This Smallville's going the unwritten route. They started over with a new miniseries because uh, I guess the sales were down so far. They had to re- they felt they had to reboot. So, But it's still the same story, same characters. It's still hurtling towards – uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, but it's uh, that's good. But these are I mean, these are all good stories. They're just you just tend to forget about them because they come out so frequently and it becomes overwhelming. I look at my app and I see if the kids don't. Maybe it's just all old people like us. But the kids well, know. Possible. I look at my app and I see I've got like you know twenty five unread Superman Adventures Supermans. I just go Ugh, and I don't even bother to try because I see there's so many of them. So, but they go fast. Yeah. So, no, but, but, I, but I think we'd say one definitely two per bathroom break. And I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely check out this storyline, the the Ron Mars and, and Evan Shaner one. Um, whether you do it digitally or they'll put it out in print eventually. But if you like Superman, definitely go for that because it's nope. it's a love letter. Okay. Uh, I was gonna get Undertow, and then I decided I didn't want to read it. So what was it? <laughs> Undertow is is tricky. Uh, it's a uh, it's an Atlantean story. The art is gorgeous. Um, it's a creative team that I had not been familiar with before. Let me grab it real quick. Who's the publisher? It is Image Comics, and it is written by Steve Orlando uh, with art by Artyom Trakhanov, who mm. I believe – He's uh, in charge of the illusions. Yeah, I was going to say. I was, I was trying to pick an Olympic event. <laughs> like it's, anyways, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful book. Um, the storytelling is a, is a little difficult. Um, just because it's so the the art is kind of baroque. It's it's it reminds me a lot of like Prophet, but like instead of alien worlds, it's sort of underwater, and it's about some some this ruthless sort of Atlantean ex Atlantean warlord um, who takes on this silver spoon kind of Atlantean kid 
in his in his group to hunt down this amphibious creature so that they can uh, untap its secrets so that they don't have to go walking around on land with um, bubble helmets with water in it. Like they, they have to, when they go on land, they have to wear, you know, diving suits, but the reverse version, you know, and there's, you know, sort of like Neanderthals on, on earth. And um, it's very beautiful. I, I did have difficulties following the story panel to panel sometimes, but they do a neat thing where there's a battle sequence and they'll zero in on key moments because usually, you know, it's underwater. So it's a green or blue or purpley colors. Um, but then they'll use red inside a white circle to sort of zoom in on key bits of action. And that helps guide your eye to where you want to be. But otherwise I'm, I'm interested to see the, the second issue is a, is a big deal. I need to, I need to see the second issue before I make any grand judgments about it. It's interesting. If you like interesting art, I would say, check it out. Um, there's a giant hermit crab looking thing at the end. That's cool. So verdicts out, but it's interesting. Well, all right. Um, I, I have been reading um, Alex and Ada from uh, Joshua Luna, I think. Not the other one. Not Jonathan Luna. No brothers, just the one. Um, issue four came out this week, and I just hadn't had a chance to talk about it um, so far. It's basically like a um, not terribly far future robot story. It's a robot science fiction, which is – I really like robot science fiction. You know, I there's the rules, and there's a, there was, there was a, an event when the AI robots uh, – you know, killed people or something like that. And now we're in the future. And this guy sort of, you know, he's in his twenties. He lives by himself and his grandmother buys him a robot. And everyone's like, they're for sex. Right. And he's like, well, and then he, and basically like he wants to, he, it freaks him out that it has no personality and it's weird. So he's trying, he meets with like uh dark underground hackers and he's trying to figure out a way to, to, uh, you know, unlock his AI basically so that it, he can see what kind of person Ada is, but she's a robot. Um, and it's that sort of clean Luna style, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a fun little story. I finished the title. I finished the chapters. I finished the issues and, and I, and I, I want to read the next one. I want to know where it's going to go. Um, so I, I recommended it. it I, somebody told me, somebody recommended that I should read it and I was like, eh, I'm going to check it out. And it was, it was really good. Um, so the next thing I wanted to bring up really quick is I know we talk about Captain America a lot, but it, it came <laughs> Dr. Mind bubble. Dr. Mind, Dr. Mind bubble. Yeah. Uh, Captain America 17 this week. Uh, but the other thing, it's just occurring to me, it's like Rick Remender is, uh, he's a punk rock guy. Yeah. He's been through the punk rock scene and he, you know, it, like if you, all the titles of his, of, of the books, his creator owned stuff sort of have references to that kind of thing. And he is, he is, it just occurred to me this week, how much of a punk rock Captain America book he's doing. <laughs> and, and it immediately like, like you think, man, I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think Captain America is exactly the right book to do sort of that kind of punk rock sort of uh, anti-establishment kind of stuff. Oh, it's but it's totally, totally the right place. It's totally yeah, the and, right place and I to really do it. feel like he's 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 resurrecting sort of that that Engelhart 70s yes. Captain America mm. thing that I've heard of and I just I really love the conversation that's going on back and forth is all of these anti-authoritarian uh terroristic figures are he constantly takes it to both sides. He takes yeah, it to the left totally and the does. right. Yeah, both sides uh, get a whacking in this book. Yeah, and it's it's very intelligent and it's very fair-handed um and it still reads like captain america and i, I re- i'm really impressed by it um and it's again it's, it's totally different than what brubaker was doing um but it's it's a fun little thing to, to sort of see what he's what he's doing with this um that's all inside the mind bubble yeah mind it's, bubble it's a very mind, like classic doctor out. who looking villain like 
The sixties, baby. Yeah. Justice League twenty eight. Now I'm of two two minds of this issue, Paul. Um, yeah. One is I I quite really enjoyed the story. I didn't expect to, but I I, I have a, a weird affection for the Metal Men. I do too. And uh, I, don't know I thought it's weird, was, but well, I just didn't. I don't often great. think of it. I don't often. They don't. You don't see them a lot. And I always forget that that I like them, and then they show up, and I go, oh, "Yeah, I like the Metal Men." But uh, I thought it was a great sort of one shot introduction. I mean, it's, yes. it's continuing on, but. I thought it was a great introduction to them. They were, you know, they weren't all that different from what you've known before. Oh no, it's uh, it's a very classic idea of the metal men. I mean, it's sort of the, you know, with with Doctor Magnus, that's sort of what he's, I guess, modernizing in his relationship with them, um, where it's he's he hates people and he's very distrustful of them, and you know, the government very much wants they want to be involved with his projects with you know the metal men, and they want to use the metal men. And this is Cyborg going to to meet with Magnus and saying. We need help. This whole forever evil thing is continuing. That's sort of the shadow over this book. But, <laughs> well, that's, so they, that's, that's my other thing. We'll get to yeah. that. So that, that's that's all continuing. But I, I really liked this as a sort of one shot kind of introduction to the characters. Um, it's and I, I like the idea that he's so he's so hard and so that Doctor Magnus. I mean, he's he's so callous because um, he's been he's been burnt. You can tell and. He he has a real affection for the metal men. They're they're his children, basically. They're his friends, and they basically sacrifice themselves to it's chemo or chemo. I've never known how you pronounce chemo, it. Chemo, yeah. Chemo, yeah. And well, I assume it's chemo. They, yeah, they sort of they sort of sacrifice themselves to to stop you know this monster, and that destroys their bodies. But then they're sort of these little pokeballs that you know go into the metal, and that's what makes them. Sort of that's their brain. That's that's their sentience is in this little ball, and that's a that's an elegant sort of explanation for what the metal men are. I kind of like that, um, and I just I like the end where he said basically cyborg is saying you can't protect them, you can't hide them away. They want to be heroes. They want to help. So let them let them help. Let them be superheroes. And you have to kind of stop protecting them. And at the end, he's like, "Yeah, that's that. You know, that's what they'd want. So I gotta, I gotta let the metal men be the metal men, as innocent as they are." And yeah. I, and I really like that. the The art is gorgeous in places. Yes, it's, it's Ivan a Rice. Little, little inconsistent. It's a little inconsistent, but I don't know that it's the best choice for the tone of what Jeff Johns is doing. I almost think that there should be more of a throwback kind of style where this is very modern. And the way that Jeff Johns writes these days is not modern. And I think that there's a there's a dissonance there. There's a disconnect. And I I, I don't know who I'd want to draw this, but it it feels more like it like it should be like a silver agey looking book and you should you should play to that visually. I don't know if that I don't know about that, but I, okay. I think I just think that the character models were inconsistent in this issue. The you know, the main character, Magnus, Dr. Magnus, would change from really young to sort of, you know, adults from panel to panel. But um, I thought the art was great. But my, but my bigger thing, thinking about this book, was that if an event falls in the woods and <laughs> no one cares or talks about it, it affects nothing, there's no discussion about it anywhere ever, uh, is it actually happening? You know, it's not. It doesn't play a huge role in this story. So it play a huge role in any story. <laughs> it, you know, ever since they've been chasing that Civil War dragon, the Civil War Final Crisis dragon. Yeah. Every subsequent event has become less and less interesting, important. You could rel- sub relevant. in the name of any event. 
where he's it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. No one cares. This I mean, Forever Evil's been going on for how long? I don't. I even I keep forgetting the name of it. Um, you know, an issue comes out and I go, okay, I guess I'll read it, but I don't really care. It's just it's interesting that we've reached that part of the event cycle where we rocked hit rock bottom. Yeah. Again. Um, My takeaway from this is that, yeah, I wish that they would go away from that stuff and do the stories that Jeff Johns used to tell. And there's a there's a glimmer of that here. And I like his take. I, I don't even mean one. just DC. I, it's also a problem at Marvel, too. I, mean, I don't remember, remember the name of the last Marvel event, but um, it's just interesting. I mean, they, I keep seeing a tie-in book of these come out and I go, all right, this is still happening. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it used to be the big thing. It used to you know consume everything. And everybody's conversation. You remember on the whole website with Secret Invasion, every issue of Secret Invasion was the most talked about issue on the website. Yeah. And, you know, I can't imagine that would be the case with Forever Evil or whatever the last Marvel one was. It's like trying to create uh, a viral it's, video. We'll make a viral video. It's diminishing returns. And they've hit that point again where no, I don't think anyone really cares. But that's my opinion. I could be wrong. Infinity. Infinity was the name of the last Marvel. Right, exactly. I couldn't even We're tell not, you. In, is, in, so, is it over? Is it still we're, happening? Well, we're in inhumanity, we're, but everything is connected. So, yeah. Well, anyways, those are the books we were to talk about this week. I thought it was a good, strong week. I enjoyed. I was not yeah, like I had last a lot week, of fun but this I, week. I had a lot of fun reading comics this week. So I that quite enjoyed good. myself. I had a lot of great things to pick from. And now let's squeak in under the wire on the February book of the month. Talk still about February. That. Still February. I'm not saying you, you missed it. I'm just saying it's under the wire. You're indie sliding through the, you know, slide under the door, grabbing your hat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think we I could think have like, talked about it last week before the Valentine stuff. So, yeah, I was I was on the ball. What's the book? The uh, the the book of the month is um, Ryan Brown's shockingly questionable God hates astronauts, Volume One: The Head That Wouldn't Die. Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, put out by Image Comics now, uh, but previously he had done it. Um, he'd done a self published run of issues. And he had done uh, as a webcomic, and then he did a very successful Kickstarter, and it be- made into a, um, a hardcover. And oh, I am so holding. I've heard, I've heard about this thing for for forever. Well, here's the deal. Okay, here's here's my little backstory with it. Um, in our in our line of work in our area, you were going to get pitched a lot of things, uh, an unconscionably high amount of things. Right. Many of them now uh, come to you in the form of Kickstarter. Um, and when I hear, hey, I've got a book that I want to do and it's on Kickstarter, I don't pay attention. Right, because we get um, 25 a day. Yeah, and he's not kidding. Um, now, I, uh, this one uh, was actually recommended by some pros. Um, you'll see that uh, some pros actually had a, a big deal in getting this out. Chris Burnham uh, was a big supporter of this book. He wrote the forward for the book. And he sort of, when he saw it, he really loved it. And he tried to get it in front of people as much as possible. Um, and all that stuff led to a very successful Kickstarter. For me, um, I was literally, this was actually recommended to me by, by Charles Soule um, last year. Like he was like, this book is amazing. You need to read it. And this was while the Kickstarter was still going on. I think, it, it, or actually, he'd just gotten his book from it. Um, and I kept it in the back of my mind. I was like, all right, I have to read this. But I, I, I missed the Kickstarter, and so I couldn't get it anywhere else. Um, but then Image came out with it, um, and I got the chance to read it. Uh, and it's, it's very funny. And the, the thing that you'll notice is that I'm stalling on how to explain what it is. <laughs> Because I cannot explain to you what this is. You're tap dancing like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, basically, it's and I'm not going to help you, even though I did the Kickstarter and I have the book sitting in front of me. I'd, nice. I'm not going to explain it to you. It's a very silly book, uh, ostensibly about superheroes, um, but it does not take it very seriously. It's it's sort of a superhero parody with very wacky stuff. It feels a lot like 
Um, it's a like it's almost like an Adult Swim show. It's like Aqua Teen mm-hmm. Hunger Force, yeah, yeah. Uh, with a superhero team. Um, the 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 basically like in the first issue, um, <laughs> the superhero team, the 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 person, the five persons, the power persons five is the name of the the team, and they they break in on John L. Sullivan, uh, who is a, a boxer, a, who's a, yeah a boxer. Um, from you may remember him from Unforgivable Blackness, uh, the Jack Johnson documentary, um, and he has a team of criminal bears, and they get into a fight, and and basically um, John L. Sullivan punches the hero's head so many times that he destroys it, but the hero is invincible, so he's left with this giant swollen floppy head, that, inside which his skull has been liquefied, uh, and then they ha- he has marriage problems because his wife is no longer attracted to his big floppy head. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes from there. Where that are the is astronauts? The, that is the thing that makes the most sense. Uh, there's a brief story uh, where the, the 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 whoever funds the 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 super team has asked that they put a stop to people firing themselves into space. Uh, um, and because it's become a real problem, with people launching themselves into orbit, um, which really doesn't have much to do with anything. Uh, but that's why. Um, there's um, there's let me Admiral. Just, I just I want to I just I want to say one thing. Go ahead. Because it's the thing that sold me on the whole thing. Uh, and every time the, the concept of this thing returned, I would laugh. Uh, and that was Admiral Tiger eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> Admiral Tiger eating a cheeseburger is a tiger with a human body who flies, who is in charge of a spaceship, and he is eating a cheeseburger. And, well, they're delicious. <laughs> I think. And later, <laughs> and later when, when, when King Tiger eating a cheeseburger is approached about, about his son, they bring him a half-eaten cheeseburger, and that's the big "oh no" moment. Uh, and it it was it was wonderful. I think the best use of our time here would be just to describe sequences like that. So I'm looking at a page where a buffalo is is putting a powdered wig on his head. Okay, I'm, I'm literally looking. At All right, and there's a mummy. He says, "All rise, the Honorable Buffalo William presiding," because is he it, is a judge. He's a buffalo with. Is it a bunch of vignettes? No, it's, no uh, it's, it's actually, there's a there's, story. <laughs> there's three issues. It's an ongoing story. There's lots of little stuff that goes on uh, in inside. I think everybody's going to pick up on their own thing uh, when right. they read this. Uh, when, when Charles explained it to me, he focused on the fact that one of the main characters is Gnarled Winslow, who is um, <laughs> actor okay. Reginald Vell Johnson with gorilla arms, who is playing basically Carl Winslow. Uh, but also um, his character from Die Hard. He's sort of a melange of the two because they're, they're sort of similar. Um, this book is packed uh, to the gills with what I think are actual, what are actual subtle pop culture references mm-hmm. as opposed to really tired ones. And again, that's a thing that can be really annoying because um, it's right. overdone constantly. All you see are pop culture references on, on Facebook or whatever all day, all the time. But it's actually funny. I, I didn't find it annoying at all. Then um, the last... That there's the three chapters, and then there's little two page, two and three page stories, um, drawn by guest artists um, of Nick the origin. Nick Patara, yeah, great, yeah, Nick Patara, um, C. P. Wilson the uh, third, Chris Mitten. Uh, yep. Uh, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff, um, and then there's a bunch of other uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pinups in the back, uh, and then there's the original sort of 24 hour comic that was done that sort of served as the inspiration for this. And then another 24-hour comic that was done uh, sort of in the middle of doing this. And then Ryan Brown writes the sort of story of the whole thing. 
and and how it came about. Um, you, you actually may, if you've been reading the Manhattan Projects, he's done some of the fill-ins on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's nuts. It's really hard to explain. It is worth your time. Uh, if this, if anything that we're we're saying uh, sounded sounded good to you, uh, then I think you're not going to be disappointed at all. It's a Tom Scioli story here. Um, this is a weird thing. Um, I love that the pinups have titles. There's a table mm-hmm. of contents for them, and there's a father's grief, which is Tom Fowler drawing the king tiger. Yeah, with the hamburger in front of him, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's really stunning. Yeah, and it is. Like Al Qaeda headquarters. Owl. Owl. W L. Yeah. Yeah. There's Al Capone. Gnarled versus bears. Is the the the, the anti mugger? I think is my favorite. The only thing he's interested in stopping is stopping uh, stopping mugging. It's, it's just, all he's interested uh, in. And once the team stops stuff. being about mugging, he's out of there. <laughs> and he also grows a third arm out of his chest. Well, it's uh, nuts. It really. There's a lot of things going on. The lawyer is a cat with a jetpack. It's just a cat with a jetpack. And and listen, uh, listen, now, Connor, you know me well enough over the years that I really don't like stuff that is just completely strange for the sake of being strange. Right. It has yeah. to have something else to make it, you know, it's not just, hey, that's weird. This is good. It has whatever that other ingredient. Uh, Cats and jetpacks. Yeah, it's in, and Paul, you know, you know, uh, things, dream sequences, strange things. Oh, yeah, weird. Yeah. It's not that. No. There's a story. There's a thing. And it, it, it totally works. And I, I, I like I was reading this like out while I was eating lunch and as laughing in public, um, which to me is a sign of a great, great book. That's that's what I want out of a book that's supposed to be funny. I want it to make me laugh out loud. I would consider it concrete surrealism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. Surrealism on a track. Yeah. So God Hates Astronauts from Image Comics by Ryan Brown. Ryan Brown. And many, many artists. Check it out. Um, let's take a look at an audience question. Randy from Parts Unknown. He says, here's a question that I'm sure you're getting all the time now that the trailer came out. What do I need to read before the Guardians of the Galaxy movie? So we want to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, but we also want to talk about some of the things you should read. Um, I was excited to learn this morning that Dan Abnett is coming back and doing some Guardians of the Galaxy stuff for Marvel in the lead up. There's gonna, he's actually writing a prelude comic to the movie, which they've done with – uh, Captain America with the sequel. They're they're doing these little like sort of two part things that lead up to that. So there's that that directly leads into the movie. Um, I would recommend that you read the first issue or maybe it's issue zero of Guardians of the Galaxy by Bendis because that seems to be the direction they're going with Star Lord at least with Peter Quill. Um, the yeah, Peter I mean, the, the Peter the Quill story probably the most the most relevant in terms of characterization, but uh, not necessarily important, right? I, I, yeah, no, no, it's not important. But I'm saying, like, if if you want to get a feel for what that character is, aside from the trailer and all the crazy marketing you're going to see in the coming months, um, that is a comic that very much matches up to, at least in tone, what they're doing with with Peter Quill. It may not be as as jokey, but that, I think they're they're doing this thing where he was, you know, born on Earth and he has a history like a lineage from space. And so I think that's where they're going with the movie. Um, well, you guys read, but you guys are big fans of the Abnett Lanning yes. Guardians of the Galaxy book, right? Yes. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was fairly silly. It was fairly self-referential. I yeah. thought, I thought Peter Quill was, there's definitely a version of him there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a little more heroic. 
I believe they're putting on an omnibus or something like that of that run. I, I mean, if they do that, that they're, would be worth it. They're doing um, paperback like deluxe trades. Maybe that's it. I think it's the it's the like there's very slim trades that we're at now, which I think are out of print. They're putting those two trades together into one trade. I think there's four all together, so there'll be two deluxe. It was something like thirty issues. Thereabouts. Yeah, and uh, it's tricky because it uh, there's crossovers with uh, Abnet was also doing Nova at the time, and uh, oh, yeah. there's like War of Kings, Guardians of the Galaxy, the complete collection by Abnet Landing. That's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. but in, it comes out in August, so basically. But right it's now. not everything in one volume. I think there's no. going to be two volumes of that. They're, but what they are doing is a, an omnibus of Annihilation, which That's what I was that introduces Drax. And uh, Gamora, and there's a, it's a bunch of mini series that all tie into the story with Annihilus, who you might know from the Fantastic Four and from Infinity. He was featured pretty heavily in Infinity as well. Um, so but that's that, that's a lead that, into uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy run. That story led into Guardians of the Galaxy, or led into Nova, or led into both. It led into both Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy launched around the same time, and Annihilation was the first thing, and then there's. Annihilation Conquest is the sequel to that. So that's it's big cosmic superhero stuff. Lots of characters, big space opera, Quasar, Gladiator, all those characters. Um, but I'd say, but if you just want to focus on the Guardians of the Galaxy as a team, it's that it'll be that um, complete collection by Abnett and Lanning. Uh, multiple artists worked on it, uh, but it's all good. Let's, so I'm I'm not going to read any, anything just because it's all coming out very close to the movie. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not going to have time to read it. So they, you know, it, gonna, it's not a not bad gonna, idea to save it for afterwards because then you're like, yeah. I saw the movie, I want more of that. So then you you can check out their further adventures in the comics. And they're going to do their job of of making it accessible to you because mm-hmm. uh, they've been done done a good job of that so far. Um, so let's talk really quickly our reaction to the trailer which came out this week. Finally, we get to see. Uh, the footage. Well, we saw the the the, sh- the Thor bit at the end of Thor: The Dark World, but we finally get to see footage from the film, which comes out in August. Which we were, everyone was sort of getting nervous about because we hadn't seen anything from it. Um, but it came out this week. People seem to, seem to generally have a good reaction to it. What did you guys think? I, uh, I I I adored this. This is my wheelhouse. I love space opera, and it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, wacky, and. I hope that it sates people who are going nuts for, you know, reunions of Firefly and things like that. Um, that, that, you know, maybe that'll quiet down. <laughs> or Why, else maybe they're using all the Firefly actors? Or else That's may- the only way it would quiet down. Or else maybe, yeah, or else maybe they'll be like, well, if they can do that with that, you can bring Firefly back. But no, but, um, and I loved Firefly at the time. I think it's just time to move on to other things like this. Um, I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, it's the most excited I've ever been about a Bradley Cooper project. Um, <laughs> I don't like Bradley Cooper. Josh? Uh, I liked it. I thought it was really interesting that it was so um, jokey. I don't think I expected that so much. I don't, although in retrospect, I, you know, it seems like it makes sense. Um, I'm really, I, I'm really, I mean, I, I'm at this point, I'll, I'll sort of reserve. I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. I, I'll go see it. I'm really s- not surprised. I find the reaction to it very interesting. I don't know if people are just jonesing for a new Marvel movie or what. I think, I think it's people, part of it. People are going nuts about this thing, and and for some reason that makes me want to be like, well, let's just see how the movie is. Let's let's see how it goes because I, I I don't I, we live in a little bit of a bubble in that terms of sort of seeing how, how people react to stuff and what they like. 
Um, because they're comic book people. I really, I'm curious how the the world at large will react to it. Because sure, I, I was, I, there's that little Marvel logo that they stuck over the logo, which I thought was really interesting. Well, they're doing that now for all their films. Yeah, but you really it's, need it's, to on that because this is yeah. the first. This is going to be their first movie that really has zero. You know, no way, recognizable way, characters, no recognizable right. actors, or yeah, you know that are recognizable. Stars, yeah, as in the thing right now. They don't. People may not know it, but Chris Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt is apparently the biggest star in the world. It's just because he did the voice of the Lego guy. <laughs> like, well, it's it, it's yeah. It's also interesting well, that they're, they're the biggest the most recognizable actor. Well, they're yeah. the, well. I mean, Vin and Diesel green. and Bradley Cooper, but you don't see them. It's just exactly. their voices. So that's that's a, that's that's really interesting. So I, I I'll be curious as to how they bring and that listen, into the marketing. And listen, like I like Glenn Close, but I don't think she's putting butts in seats. And she doesn't even look like Glenn Close. It's almost right. as if she's just voicing it because I mean we've seen a little bit of the prosthetics and stuff, and it's kind of out there. Um, I, I thought this was a really smart trailer because it does introduce the characters. It's very expositiony, but in a fun way. I think they get they get away with it. I think, and I think that's a good way to go. Rather than here's what happens in the movie. It's definitely it's fun. I enjoyed it, but I can't help but keep remembering how awful the scene was at the end of Thor, um, and how much it looked like a Star Trek. It was, texture. It was pretty was, weak, but what I'm seeing here looks. I mean, the photography looks really nice. Um, yeah, so I'm, it looks I'm like a lived-in world. Reserved on it until I actually see it because I can't forget what I saw already on the big screen. Um, it's well, a big, I'm it's just a, I am I'm just tempering my 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 excitement for for your guys' sake because I want to be socially acceptable. But I, I think it look I think it looks really impressive. Yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with being excited. I mean, I just, yeah, for I, me, just, I, I mean, be excited if you liked it. I thought it was a fun no. trailer for sure. But I just you know the only thing I've seen on a big screen of the Guardians of the Galaxy was pretty bad. So that's my that's what's tempering my enjoyment of it. Mm. Um, I, but I'm looking forward to it because I, I like the actors involved. I like the. I also like the, I'm I'm really excited for for uh, Winter Soldier. Um, but the tone is entirely different, and I like that there's two tonally. The yeah, really gulf bad. between totally. is huge, and that's really exciting that they're not doing the same movie over and over again. Um, you know, like Superman does not look that different from. You know the you know the Nolan Batman movies, right? Um, tonally and, and visually, so this is a complete departure, and that's really cool. Um, I wonder how they're going to tie it in, or if they are marketing wise to the larger Marvel universe. Because I, I did see some chatter online asking if this was in the same universe as the Marvel movie, as, oh, you know, Avengers, um, because it's so so far removed. But uh, well, it looks like. Did you see the poster where they're all posing around the? Um, the what's it called? The blue thing, the shiny. <laughs> the gem. Yeah, but the, the they have a name for it, <laughs> which is, it's gem? not important. Um, not infinity gem. What the, what do they call it in the Avengers? Oh, the tesseract. No, the, the tesseract. Uh, yeah, that's tesseract. It's yes, tesseract, tesseract stuff. Um, they have them like posing around that, like they've captured it. Right. In the in the poster, and and I like that marketing the the you're welcome thing. I like the attitude behind the marketing. Yeah, no, I do like that too. That next trailer needs to, if if uh, Robert Downey isn't in it, uh, if he's in it in any way, it needs to be like, Robert Downey Jr. is in this as Iron Man. And then everyone will go. <laughs> Do you think he's in it? It would be dumb not to put him in it. What, like as a coda at the end or like a... Something. As, like, as a cameo or as a, as a thing. Like if, if the story is supposed to all be connected, you know, it's supposed to be the same thing. I feel like, I mean, this is that's the thing. They're building comic book universe that's all intermingled as a movie. Well, what's next? After this is Avengers 2 mm. in line, and then it's Ant-Man? Yes. Although they've been talking about – no, we won't yes, go to Yes, they they've already started shooting Avengers. They haven't started shooting Ant-Man yet. Yeah, so Avengers is next after this. So what do you do for the lead-in? 
because we've already done the Thor and Captain America sequels at this point. So, and also, what we'll kind of, is there going to be any kind of lead in between Captain America two and Guardians of the Galaxy? How is that going to? You can see how they did it with Thor and how does Guardians. Still fit how this? does that all fit together? Because those are so totally desperate. But, anyways. Okay. Um, well, we'll find out. I, I I thought it was fun. I love Chris Pratt. I think he's great. I think I, he's one of the best things on Parks and Rec. A whole lot of charisma, and you know, like everyone's like it's so jokey and everything, but then you see all the montage stuff afterwards. It looks like a crazy action-packed movie, and it's gonna have some drama in there too. So, at least cool. from the montage, so I, I liked it. Delivered on a lot. I'm just looking at the cover of God Hate Astronauts again. <laughs> Nuts. So, so, Paul, you can do another uh, talk explode, more Akira talk. Yeah, this well, it's part of our book explode brand. I'm sorry, um, is the Jesus. <laughs> it's all on the same feed. Uh, we're gonna be yeah, I'm gonna be talking to Scotty uh, next week about Akira volumes three and four, the Katsuhiro Otomo. It's gonna be on book explode, and then next month we'll finish it out, volumes five and six. Uh, we haven't recorded that yet, but I'm sure it'll be out next week. <laughs> Excited about it. Um, so grab those phone books, get ready. I'll probably be up on Thursday. Um, other things to plug. Fuzzy Typewriter, of course, we're talking about True Detective. Coming down to the final three. Enjoying the hell out of that. Uh, Timmy Wood, who you may know from ifanboy.com, was on as a guest. And Connor was a guest previously. So Yes. Um, there you go. And then uh, I just wanted to mention Book Rageous. I'm also a regular co-host on Book Rage, the Book Rageous podcast, which is about um, all kinds of books. We do talk about comics as well. Talked about Ms. Marvel this week a little bit start off the show talking about what we've been reading that week and then we move into a topic and this one was the weirdness of fan fiction based on jk rowling's comments on harry potter and how the relationship should have gone so we talk about licensed things and fan fiction and it was silly and fun and and uh i think uh i think you'll you'll get a kick out of it so check out book rages and uh, josh christie from my fanboy is on there as well well, ifanboy.com is where you can find all these shows as well as the uh, comments underneath them. You can talk about this week's books. You can talk about the book of the month. You can talk about Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Do all that stuff at ifanboy.com. Uh, also follow us at twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can find out what the pick of the week is going to be before the show comes out. And you can also follow us individually at C.S. Kilpatrick, J.A. Flanagan, and Fuzzy Typewriter on Twitter. You could email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 uh, with any questions, comments, concerns, etc., etc. Um, that's pretty straightforward. If you've been listening before, you know how that works. If not, let's see what happens. And you also probably know that if you dig us, write us a review in iTunes uh, or better yet, tell your friends about it. Uh, introduce your mom to podcast. Spread that iFanboy around. Mm, all around. Mm, Every time. Like natural peanut butter. <laughs> Two ingredients, baby. Peanut and salt. You got to mix it because there's oil at the top. But, mm. but you got to put jelly in it. That way they feel like they're sugar again until you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Till next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Josh, baby. <laughs> <laughs>